Welcome. <laughs> Hi. Hi. This is Bold Moves for Real Life. And we are so excited because we have a very special guest tonight, Sister Carolyn. Hello. Hello, everyone. Great to be with you. Yes, we're so excited. Well, we just want to share. We're sorry if we had some cutouts <laughs> a couple minutes ago, but all of a sudden our airwaves just like went away. And we don't really know what happened, um, but Sister Carolyn was great. She had her holy water. She was just unpacking. <laughs> she, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> without it. <laughs> the only weapon you need, you know. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that was great. Okay, well, we're gonna start off by reviewing our challenge from last week, which was to find a time and place for quiet prayer, so you can listen to what God is asking of you. So, ladies sister how did how do we think last week went do we have any thoughts i had some great time in our adoration chapel had some holy hours and they were at random times uh that i wasn't really used to so not a lot of people were around so it was pretty quiet today i was praying my holy hour and this little girl came in with her mom and she came right up next to me and just kind of looked at me and i looked at her and then she ran away i don't know if i scared her or what but it was really sweet so it's always good to see little kids in an adoration chapel Mm -hmm. that's really cool I found some time last Wednesday after small group. Um, I was at the dome, and I just went into the chapel after <clears throat> our meeting, and I just had a really good, like, solid, like, 45 minutes of prayer, and it was really good, and the sun was setting, so you could see the sun, like, through the window, and it was just really good, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to say mine would probably be, we went to Camp Andesanc this weekend mm-hmm. at the retreat, and I got a lot of, and that was kind of like implied, so like kind of cheating on the challenge, I guess. But <laughs> but I did find some really great um, solid time for myself and for my like reflections. I, have, I wrote a lot in my journal, way more than I thought of, but awesome. I would. So that was good. That was cool. Awesome. And mine's the same from Camp Andesanc, but just being out there, it's insanely gorgeous. And you can't help but just be in awe. Okay, God, I see you. I see you bright and clear. Um, So that, just being kind of immersed fully in nature without really any distractions. And then we had a beautiful um, adoration one of the nights. So that was Mm -hmm. definitely some good moments. Yeah. Awesome. Well, before we get into our jitzels, I just want to remind our listeners to call in and ask questions. Say hey to Sister Carolyn and the number is 618-650-3027. So be bold and call in. <laughs> <laughs> but jitzels, I think we have plenty from this last <laughs> week. Well, there's been some jitzling going on. <laughs> <laughs> Sister, would you like to share yours first? Sure. So um, I had this really awkward moment on Friday, and I showed up for a meeting a half an hour late. I thought it was at 10.30. Apparently, it was at 10 o'clock. <laughs> and the really awkward thing is I was actually at the place where the meeting was happening. But I was like, oh, I have plenty of time. I'm going to pray the Stations <laughs> of the Cross outside in this beautiful little outdoor stations area. So I prayed the stations, like totally taking my time, kind of reflecting. And I walked in, and um, the person was, like, waiting for me. I was like, oh, I thought, oh, you're, like, ready for me. Usually, I'm, like, waiting for them. And so I went into my meeting, and he was like, yeah, I thought it was at 10 o'clock. Oh, I, I thought it was at 10.30. Turns out it was 10 o'clock. Um, <laughs> saw that in my email when I got home. I was like, oh, so that was all fine and good. Um, but then I was like, oh, man, it's Friday. And we were going to pray stations together as a community. And I just prayed stations. So it was like kind of like a hot pocket, hot pocket. Pray stations twice, no big deal. But then I woke up the next morning and I had a tick on me. 
and I think I picked up the tick while I was praying stations outside. Oh, yeah. man. That was jitsily. That was jitsily. Yeah. At 4.35 right. in the morning to see a tick and you're on you. Like, <coughs> Ooh. Like, that's Ooh. not good. Too early in the morning, first of all. Second of all, too early in the morning to have a tick on you. Yeah. 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 Not Whoa. good. Too early all around. All around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Wow. That is quite the jitsel. Jitsel. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mary Rose and I experienced several jitsels. Um, at mm-hmm. Camp Bondesonk. Mm-hmm. We decided to go on a hike. On a hike, and yeah. it was it was what? Five of us five girls mm-hmm. and then Nate, who is a senior here. He was the only guy that was with us. Um and we had this time. We had some free time, like what, yeah. an hour mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, "You can go exploring, go hiking, whatever." But like, yeah. we have um, a holy hour at ten, and so we're like, "Okay, like we'll just hike a little bit and then come back, being right. back in time." Well, we start walking and we find this like opening in this rock. Okay, that's where it started. So mm-hmm. we went through this opening, <laughs> and it was beautiful. Oh, right? It didn't even look like we were in Illinois. Was it Narnia? It was just, oh, it completely. seemed like it. Narnia. Yeah. <laughs> and there Gorgeous. was, like, rocks and, like, a hill and, like, a river flowing down the rocks. Mm-hmm. And the moss. Narnia. But, like, carpet. That was, like, vibrant, green, gorgeous. Yeah. And so then we're just like, okay, like, let's follow this and see where it goes. Yeah. And so <laughs> we're following it, and... I'm very clumsy, like very. I clumsy. was such a nervous um, mother <laughs> with Maggie as my responsibility. <laughs> it was, she had her hiking shoes. I on. did have my hiking shoes. Those saved me a couple times. Yes. Um, but so I was. We were going, and then at one point, Brooke, love her, but she was like really determined on finding the source of the water. Her and Nate, mm-hmm. okay, like the source <laughs> of the river. And so they're like, let's just keep following it. Keep and it, it got to be, like, quarter till ten. And I was like, Mary Rose, don't you think we should go back? Like, didn't we want to make that holy hour? Yeah. And um, we're like, both of us are directionally challenged. Yeah. And we're like, what so, if we get lost by ourselves? Yeah. I was like, no, we're not. We're not leaving. The yeah. We're so staying. we stayed with the group. And we're like, okay, if we miss the holy hour, we just have to be back by 1115 to hear Sean's talk. And we're like, okay. So we follow the group. And they lead us to an open field, okay? Beautiful field. Gorgeous. Out of a movie. And they just start running. Yeah, they start running, and we're like, what? Running. (laughs) So they're just running, and we follow them. And then Nate has the bright idea. I say sarcasm, okay? (laughs) He goes, I think there's a road. And this is like the opposite way of where we came from, of the Rock River. He goes... Um, there's a road over here. I think we can get, and then it's kind of like a shortcut. I think we can get back to camp easier this yeah. way. And we were just like, what? But everyone's like, okay, okay, maybe Nate knows what he's doing. And, well, he didn't. I'm really sorry, Nate, if you're listening, but you really got us lost. Lost. <laughs> yeah. He were lost. Because he was in denial <laughs> for a little bit, like that he didn't get us lost. Yeah, but no. He did. Yeah. I think at one point we went in a huge circle. There was no road. We never found the road. No, the road um, And then... I was like, Nate, I have my phone. My phone is working. Can you please just look at the maps and, like, look at my GPS and get us back to camp? And he was like, I don't need it. And then he finally would, like, look at it and be like, okay, yeah, I know where we're going. And then he'd go a different place, like, off a couple more steps, and he'd be like, uh, yeah, I don't – and at one point he was like, Brooke, distract them so they don't know we're lost. And I'm like <laughs> – excuse me. Hmm. Interesting. But then the real jitsel came when we still weren't back yet. We had a long way to go. And it just starts pouring, like monsoon pouring. Pouring down rain. And so we are drenched from head to toe. Mm-hmm. Raincoat um, didn't make any difference. No, raincoat didn't make a difference. Shoes were 
pools of water. <laughs> Quite squishy and sloshy. <laughs> My hiking shoes did do pretty good with the water, I have to say. That was impressive. Um, yeah. But I think at one point I thought Mary Rose might have went down the river. Because she slipped on a tree and, like, tree branch, and she just kept sliding. And I got I really to go into a waterfall. I was like, I don't really want to go for a swim right now. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus saved us girl s- several times. <laughs> so we ended up making our way back. Um, we made it back about five, ten minutes late for the talk, but they had sent out a search party for us, you guys. Yeah. And Robin thought, I think at one point, that we got kidnapped in a van. Mm-hmm. Um so we apologize for scaring them. Yeah. But we made it back. Biggest apologies. Um, we learned that we should have just gone back the way we came and not mm-hmm. listened to Nate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Sage advice. Yeah. yeah. Just uh, be careful while you're hiking. That's mm. the moral of the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was good times. And we found a waterfall on the way. Many waterfalls. Yeah. So yeah. very beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. I think, and then I think I, my jitsu of the week is going to have to be um, after holy hour, turning around. And somebody going, yeah, the girls aren't back yet. Oh, like, yeah, because Kenzie was not with us. Right. Yeah, no, I was in this holy hour, and I was like, oh, no. Like, you mean the girls as in the girls with Maggie <laughs> <laughs> out in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I looked at Jonah, and I was like, if someone's back, like, what, oh, but they sent a but like, search parties out, a lot of search parties. <laughs> and I was like, if nobody comes back with these girls, we're going out to find them. So, yeah. You, you go, um, if Maggie was the leader, I don't know how I'm going to put myself in her head. Yeah. I was like, there's literally, like, I can't think like Maggie. So I was like, you know what? Scratch that. I think what we should do if we go, which we ended up not because thankfully they made it back safe. But I was like, if we do have to, like, go out there, what we're going to do is go. And whichever way we think we should go, we're going to go the opposite way. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll find them. <laughs> Sage advice. So, yeah. <laughs> that was great. All right. Good jitzels. Wow. All right. Now we have fun and fresh. Mary Rose, take it away. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So also kind of on the topic of camp on de Sonk, Um, on our way down in Maggie's car was Maggie, obviously, me, <coughs> Father Rob, and Sean. And we were all taking turns playing our favorite song. And Father Rob goes, oh, I got a good one for you. Like, okay. So I put it into YouTube and it's. Hosanna by Kirk Franklin. I'm like, okay, this will probably be like beautiful. Right. Great like meditation song. Um, so it comes on and the first line out of the uh, singer's voice is Let me hear you s- make some um, holy, holy ghost crazy noise. <laughs> and it just erupts. And into Father this Rob is just like thing. cracking up, like <laughs> so unexpected. So if you want uh sneak peeks yeah, sneak peek. We're going to p- play, like, a little bit of it. Okay, here we go. All right, here it is. Okay, so if you're interested, you can look that up yourself. But, yeah, there's a little bit of it for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was uh, something. <laughs> okay, next. So if you haven't heard of the place called Huddle House, it's similar to a Denny's or a Waffle House where it has, like, quality greasy fattening <laughs> carbo load breakfast food it also has burgers and such but main focus is breakfast food so i have one kind of in my hometown but the rest of the people at uh camp on did not know what it meant or what it was so we were kind of hanging out later at night and we all felt pretty hungry so we went there had some quality waffles quality pancakes some oreo pancakes in fact mm. that was mm. interesting mm. so yeah if you ever want the late night friendly meal 
Huddle House. It's open 24 hours yeah. a day. We thank Marion, the Huddle House and Marion, yes. because they were really good to us. But mm-hmm. I think they were very jitzled, to say the least, that we came in at 3 in the morning with 11 of us. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know what? We made memories, and it was mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. It was good. Yes. Alrighty. And uh, Sister Carolyn enlightened us on the world's smallest postage. World's Ooh. smallest postage is great. Uh, on Monday, the Feast of the Annunciation of the Lord, I received a package in the mail. And I was really excited. I didn't know who it was from. It wasn't marked. It just said world's smallest postage. And I opened it up, and it was this tiny little, it was like a mini package inside a big package. <laughs> and then you opened up the mini package, and there was a carrot inside of it. And it just had a note that said, I'm rooting for you. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Oh, so, yeah, you can look up world's smallest postage, and for $12, send little packages or little mini letters to people. Oh, and that is anonymously. Beautiful. Mine was sent anonymously, but I did figure out who it was because... I'm a good sleuth like that. <laughs> so I just figured out Blue's Clues. Wow. But it was just kind of a fun little thing to do. Yeah, awesome. Packages. Awesome. Great. We'll have to, I, I want to send one of those out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be so fun. Surprise. All right. And then I think this is going to be the best part of uh, Front and Fresh. For sure. It's the uh, harmonica segment. So, uh, oh, one. <laughs> cool. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Yes, yes. thank you, Sister so Carolyn. Is never so good. good well, thank you so much for performing for us. Good. Anytime. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, maybe that can be, like, the music while we're waiting for callers, like, if we, oh, once we open callers. it up. Okay. Yeah, anytime, not callers. Yeah, <laughs> we're waiting. For you. We're oh. waiting. Alrighty. If you're listening in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, or something like that, or <laughs> oh. Omaha, Nebraska, maybe. Oh. Wow. You, you, if that is you, you heard it. You heard it here. We're waiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't really know anyone in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. <laughs> I wish I did because it's a cool it's a name. Cool name. Yeah. 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 Alrighty. All right. Well, Sister Carolyn, we're so excited that you're here. And can you just give like a little intro, um, how you became a sister, and just like the rundown, where you're from, sure. all that. So I'm with the Sisters of St. Francis of the Murder, St. George. It's a big, long, drawn-out name, but the bottom line is we're Franciscan, so we follow St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, there's a lot more to Francis of Assisi than animals. Unfortunately, people kind of just boil it down to the animal-loving thing, which is good and fine and whatever, but uh, Jesus, Jesus really was the heart and the soul of Francis's life. He loved Jesus in the crib, on the cross, and in the Eucharist, and so it's in those places that Franciscan spirituality really finds its identity. Huh, identity. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But <laughs> anyway, so I went to Franciscan University of Steubenville in Ohio after college. I'm from Rhode Island originally, oldest of three kids. Grew up in a Catholic family, went to Mass on Sundays, but that was pretty much the extent. I didn't go to Catholic school, and vocations were never something talked about in my family. So I knew that I wanted to, like, work for God. Like, there was something, like, that just kind of came out, like, I'm going to work for God oh, someday. a caller. Um, caller's calling in. Awesome. All right, here we go. All right, put them through. Hello, this is Bold Moves. You're on the air. Can you hear us? This is like a breather. (laughs) Hello? Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, Sorry if I'm breathing heavy. I'm on a run. Oh, wow. I heard 
harmonica playing, and I'm like, oh my gosh, wow, I could totally use that in our open mic night that we're having at Newman on April 11th. So I'm just shooting out the, the invitation to you, Sister Carolyn, about that, if you wanted to play the harmonica. Open mic night your, on April 11th at Newman. Yes, you should totally yeah. come and play your harmonica. I will have to check my calendar. I keep a very busy social calendar, mm. but I will see what I can do about April 11th. That would be It's two nights before awesome. my comprehensive exam, so mm. not, partying might not be the most prudent thing to do, but True. <laughs> it sounds True. like a blast. True. So I hope that goes well. Wow, thank you so much for calling and for that wonderful suggestion. And I hope yeah. your run is going well. Thanks, it's going very well. Good, good. Yeah. How long have you been running? <laughs> um, since the podcast started. Oh, wow. For days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you for calling. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Okay, have a great right. day. Nice, you too. Thanks. So, yeah, um... I don't really know where I was in my story about myself, but I grew up in Rhode Island. Yes, yes. I wanted to work for God. And when I was in high school, I took one of those tests where you fill in the dots, you know, and mine came back saying that I was going to be in some kind of religious ministry, theater and drama or education. So my friends started to tease me and they're like, you're going to be a nun who like wears tennis shoes and plays a guitar and drives a 15 passenger van and teaches drama at a Catholic high school. And I was like, no, I'm not. I was like, the more I tried to convince them, the more I was like, oh, that actually could be a thing. But all the sisters that I knew in my life, they were all old and crusty, and I was like, that's not, I can't. No, <laughs> old and crusty. Yeah, pretty much. I, like, I know. <laughs> and they wore really ugly shoes, and I thought, I can't. I just can't do it. So, um, <laughs> But when I went to Franciscan University for my undergrad, I met sisters that were actually young and happy and seemed like themselves and that they weren't trying to put on a show, and I thought, okay, that really could be me, but cute Catholic boys, so no. So um, <laughs> I dated a couple of them, and um, the more, though, the more that I... The more that I had what I thought would make me happy, the more the Lord showed me that what he had would make me more happy. Oh, wow. And so after I graduated from college, I had my dream job and my dream boyfriend. I was working at a parish in Tennessee as a director of religious ed and youth ministry, and life was so good. And then it was just like something was, I was still wrestling. And, um, and I realized that there was something more. And so I came to visit the sisters in Alton, the sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr St. George. I met them in college, and one of them was my professor. They actually lived in my dorm. I was their RA in the dorm. Um, and so I, I was like, if I was called to be a sister, I knew I was called to be a Franciscan, to follow St. Francis, because he just kind of captured me when I was at Franciscan University. And I knew if I was called to be a Franciscan, I wanted to be in a Franciscan community that was faithful to the church. So that narrowed it down pretty good, too. Uh, there's some that are kind of nuts and out there and, you know, hold hands and sing kumbaya and worship trees and stuff. So I'm like, nah, no, I don't want to worship Jesus. That'd be helpful. Uh, so, I, yeah, when I visited the sisters, I walked through the doors at our convent in Alton, and I just felt completely myself and completely at home. And I thought, oh, I've been here before. There have been other times in my life where I felt completely myself and completely at home. When I was trying to figure out which college to go to, and I was trying to figure out what job I should take after college. And so it just was really clear that I needed to trust that the Lord was leading me in that way again. So I remember the day that I actually entered the convent, and I was driving over the bridge from Missouri into Illinois. I, I flew to Tennessee, and the priest that I worked for drove me. So we are driving up from Memphis that morning, and. I'm driving over the bridge, like, this is it. I made my last phone call. I called my mom on my Nokia box cell phone and then <laughs> turned it off and gave it to Father Victor. And he still has it to this day. Wow. He has it. He's like, I keep it in my nightstand. And whenever I open it up, I see it and I think of you. I'm like, just donate it to charity or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a Nokia box cell phone in your nightstand. Uh, so I made my last phone call and I was like, Jesus, I'm 96.3% sure that this is what you want for me. And if it's not, I give you permission to close the door. And he did, um, behind me. So here I am. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Boom. Uh, so 14 years <laughs> later, here I am, and it's been a great life. 
Um, actually, t tomorrow is the anniversary of the death of John Paul II, and that day was a very significant day within my journey. I love John Paul II. In fact, my name sister Carolyn is for him Carol Boitiwa, so mm -hmm. um, definitely a big connection there. And that day was a really powerful day of just knowing his intercession in a very palpable way. And I actually left for Rome to go on a last hurrah trip to Rome and Assisi before I entered the convent. Two days, uh, I left the day after his funeral, and then I left Rome the day before Pope Benedict was elected. So I was there during a really unique time. It's called the Interregnum. Wow. There was no pope to be seen. Uh, but I was able to pray at his grave the first day that it was opened up to the public. So wow. it's kind of cool. Wow. Cool little connection with JP2. Mm, what a guy. Awesome. Yeah, wow. That's awesome. That's great. Well, okay. Well, we're going to get right into it, into our questions. But um, can you tell us what you like know about and like because you're a vocation director correct sure. so about discerning god's will yeah so discerning god's will discernment is like this big word that people throw around all the time and it's mm -hmm. like like princess bride like you keep saying this word i don't think it means what you think it means you know uh so anyway this word discernment comes from the latin word discere which means to sift and so it's all about sifting through all the stuff that comes at us every day in all the different ways and so sifting through and discovering like what what's worth keeping and what's not and as we look at those things uh what are the what are the ways that God is speaking to us through our concrete circumstances, through the concrete things that happen to us every day, like our relationships, all, all the things. Mm -hmm. uh, but looking at that, that stuff in the light of God's love. Okay, so to discern God's will also is this big, like, oh my gosh, what is God's will? Well, really, it's, it's looking at the concrete thoughts, feelings, and desires in our own hearts. So we have another call coming in? Is that what's happening? No, no, no. Did you repress the... What's happening? It's, it's off. The telco. We might be getting a call. Give us one second. <laughs> this would be really exciting if we are. All right. Hello? Do we have a caller? Hello, caller? Hello. Yeah. Oh, oh, hello. Oh, hello. on the air. <laughs> this is hey, bold news. This is Father Rob. Father Rob! Father Rob! Yeah, hey, long-time listener, second-time caller. <laughs> yes! Uh, yeah, loving the discussion here. I uh, had a question to throw out to Sister Carolyn if this is a good time. Sure, go for it. We're just starting with t talking about discernment, so we got lots of time. Wait, so are you talking, starting to talk about what? Discernment. Oh, perfect, yeah. perfect. Well, I, I was trying to figure out the number, but the last I had heard was when you were talking about John Paul II. And oh, yeah. So maybe if you could just share your thoughts on if you think you know, St. John Paul the Great could say something to anybody listening to this, but specifically any student at SIUE or any college student, what do you think his message to him, like, today would be? Oh, like, I know what his message would be, because it's his message, like, perennially, and that message is, be not afraid. Like, he said that all the time, because he knew we'd forget it, and he said it all the time because we needed to hear it. And I think college students in particular, especially here at SIUE, but anywhere, like, young adults, we all need to be reminded every day, be not afraid, because fear is the enemy of love, fear is the enemy of greatness, and fear holds us back from so much. But if we live into the reality of who we are in the light of God's love for us, we have nothing to fear, because we have a Father who loves us. So, boom, be not afraid. Uh, and the other piece that kind of goes along with that oftentimes with JP2, he would tell us to put out into the deep. So don't play around in the shallow end, that's boring. But go out into the deep water, that's where all the adventure is. And we can go there because uh, we're called to go there. It's not just like, oh, I'm, I'm going to choose to go be dangerous, but it's like letting the Lord lead us into this place of adventure, and that's a place of encounter as well. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Beautiful. Actually, those are the two phrases that are engraved in the ring that I wear to symbolize my perpetual vows. Uh, be not afraid and put it out into the deep. Just as a, a reminder that every day when I look at this ring on my finger, I need to be reminded of that every day because it's so easy to just go back to the shallow end to play it safe. Uh, but risk is how we grow, and there is no love without risk. Awesome. Great. Yeah, thanks for your question, Father. Really good. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, absolutely. Sister, did you also know, because you're, I mean, have you ever heard of Bishop Robert Barron? Do you know who that is? Uh, I I'm, I think I heard about something, maybe on the have YouTube you, like, heard that name before? Oh, know. maybe on the intranet? Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's actually the two um, phrases that he put in the St. John Paul the Great Chapel at Mundelein. Did yeah, you know that? I did know that, because one time I was at that chapel, and I didn't know you at that time, and you were just, like, praying the rosary <laughs> up front, and I was like, I think that guy's from my diocese. But he's praying the rosary, so I'm just going to let him hey. keep praying. And That's look right. at us now, That's we're right. friends. It's crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. So, well, good deal. Well, God bless you guys. I'll let you get back to talking about discernment, but I just wanted a little bit more of a jam session on John Paul II yeah. before he moved on too and much. And we want to wish you, Father Rob, a very happy birthday tomorrow. You, spent, you share a special Ooh. day with JP2. I mean, he died that day, but you were born that day. So. Wow, yes, we There's love that. you, yeah. and yeah. we want to wish you a happy birthday. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you very much. It'll be a great day. And yeah, John Paul II, he died on my 18th birthday. Boom. And yeah, and boom. Is, That's yeah. right. What else do you say? Also something we kind of have in common because Mother Teresa died on my 16th birthday. So like saints die on our birthdays. What's that, you know? I don't know. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So They were friends. But, uh, we're friends. It's just kind of cool like that. Yeah, it's like, it is. It is. It's the Catholic life. Yeah. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Hashtag Catholic life. <laughs> boom. Yeah. I think I yeah. jitzled some people tonight here at this uh, at the Muck. We had dinner together here at the Muck, and I think people like did not quite know what to think when they saw me walking through here. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> it was good times. Yeah. Were you wearing glasses or something, or why yeah, did you? Yeah, it must have been the glasses. It must have been the glasses. Okay, all right. <laughs> and my gotcha. Groucho yeah. Marx mustache that I had on, you know, like the little disguise. <laughs> good deal. It. Good deal. That's awesome. I'm glad you're there. And bold news, just well done. I've enjoyed the heck out of the show so far. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, all right. God bless y'all. See ya. Thank you. See ya. What a guy. (laughs) So, yeah, discernment. Discernment is like taking everything that comes at us every day and paying attention to our thoughts, feelings, and desires and relating them to God. And as we relate them to him, he begins to, to speak back to us and to show us how he wants to arrange those thoughts, feelings, and desires in a way that's going to glorify him and also bring us to the fullness of life. I know for, for me as a vocation director, I'm not interested in people becoming sisters. That sounds probably really terrible. And if any of my sisters are listening, let me explain a little bit more. But like, really, I don't want someone to come live our life if they're not called. God is the vocation director. And God speaks through our thoughts, feelings, and desires. And he wants to take, like, the, we, sometimes we have thoughts that pass through our minds, and they're coming from one of three places. It's either from God, from ourselves, or from the enemy. And he wants to show us what that is. So I hold up, okay, Lord, I have this thought. I'm going to hold it up to you. What do you think about it? And if it matches what he thinks about it, then I can go with it. But if it is contrary to what he thinks about it, um, so if I'm like, man, I failed the test today, and I'm feeling like a real idiot right now. I can hold that up to God. I bring that thought to God. And he's not going to agree with that. And I can say, okay, that's not from that's not from you. One of my favorite scripture verses is from the book of Revelation. We pray it actually every Thursday evening as, as part of evening prayer. The accuser of our brothers is cast out. So the voice that accuses us, that tells us that we're bad, that tells us that we failed, that, that is the voice of the enemy every single time. And so when those kinds of things come up, you hold them up. And you say, Lord, this is what I'm thinking right now. And you can just like shoot it down. Like, no, that's not. 
that is not you. That is not who you are. Because I say you're someone different. I say that you're my beloved. Um, so that's it's kind of like the discernment process and discerning God's will can't happen outside of a relationship with the Lord. That relationship has to be very real. And in the context of a real relationship with him, then you can start to make some decisions and start to recognize, okay, these are the places that I come fully alive. St. Irenaeus of Leon says, the glory of God is man fully alive. And so here I was, right? I'm living in Tennessee, have my dream job, my dream boyfriend. That should have made me happy, quote unquote. Like, yeah, should have made me happy. Everything that I thought would make me happy. But as I held up my thoughts, my feelings, my desires to the Lord, he showed me, yeah, your desire to be a wife and a mother is good. But let me show you how I want to fulfill that desire even more deeply than you could ever imagine. Um, so it's just, it's like paying attention to that and like allowing that to be within a relationship, a conversation and starting to, and, and then, and then acting boldly. It's, it really, discernment is about bold moves too, right? So we're discerning <laughs> God's will and we're saying, okay, like I think God might be calling me to be a sister. So it's a bold move to call a vocation director. It's a bold move to sometimes even look things up online, like maybe submit a little inquiry form, right? You know, mm. like, that's bold, but discernment is all about taking one bold step after another and not like a huge bold step but like you know what today my bold step is going to be I'm going to make this phone call mm. I'm going to spend a little bit of extra time in prayer I'm actually going to talk to God about this uncomfortable thought and feeling that I'm having mm. I'm going to talk to him about it and then responding gradually as we respond gradually and bold move from this day and bold move for the next day and a bold move for the next day all of a sudden we look back and we're like dang I like made some really big bold moves but it's actually <laughs> just little baby step bold moves mm. it feels more bold than it actually is five years from now when we look back at it yeah wow that's great <laughs> yeah good so yeah discernment and you're not in it alone too discerning god's will is is meant to be done like i said in relationship with the lord for sure but also like i said people like vocation directors are there to help it's not mm-hmm. vocation directors however are not there to tell you what god's will is mm-hmm. that's actually a very unhealthy thing and if you ever meet a vocation director who does that run the other way and yeah Call nine one one. Maybe not that, but <laughs> get out of there. Because a vocation, like I don't, I don't know God's will. I can listen, I can listen with you, but I can't listen for you. Mm. And so, with the young women that I'm working with, as they're as they're sifting through and trying to figure out, is God calling me to live this life? We have thirty women coming on a retreat this weekend. It's crazy. I have no idea where they're coming. I mean, this is like out of the woodwork. Thirty. It's the, the most we've ever had. And so, just like to listen, allow them, give them a space to listen to the Lord, but also to li- be listening to Him myself, and then to listen together. How is the Lord inviting you? Is he inviting you to come back for a second, more intense visit? Um, is he calling you to marriage? Is he inviting you to um, transfer schools next year? Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Discernment of God's will is not just about your voc- your big V vocation, whether you're called to be a priest, sister, called to be married, uh, but it's about what is my daily vocation? How do I mm-hmm. daily open myself to receive God's love and respond to his love on a daily basis? Oh, I love that. I've never really thought about that, a daily mm-hmm. vocation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola is a great saint, teaches us a lot about discernment, actually. And most of the discernment that he talks about is that daily kind of discernment. It's not the big V vocation discernment. It's the daily, like, where did I see God's presence, love, and action? Uh, He gives the practice of the examine, this examine prayer that we would pray every day before we go to bed. And it's not like an examination of conscience where you're looking at what are my sins, but it's what am I grateful for today? And then it's kind of, the best way I can describe it is actually it's like watching film if you're an athlete, right? So why do you watch film? You watch film to see where you've succeeded on the field and where you failed on the field. And also to watch where your enemy is strong. You want to find out, like, what are the tactics of the enemy? How are they better? Like, how are they better at me, better at this game? And how can I then respond to those tactics and to what the enemy's doing? 
the opponent. We won't call the opposing team the enemy per se, but for, this, for, for the sake of the spiritual life, mm-hmm. we're talking about we're talking about Satan. We're talking about the enemy. Mm-hmm. What are his tactics with me? How does he know how to get me? There's a great book, um, by the way, by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. If you haven't read it, I don't like to read. So if I recommend a book like this is really big, like it's a good book, it's worth reading. <laughs> but it's a, it's like a senior devil writing to his nephew, who's a junior devil, like teaching him how to how to tempt the subject. You know, mm, wow. so like this is what you want to do. And reading that book actually opened my eyes a lot to some of the subtle subtle little lies and subtle little movements of the enemy. Wow, yeah. helped me to up my game on the field, have some more victories. Nice. Nice. All right, so we just want to open it up again to callers because we love hearing from you. Mm -hmm. So just open it up for an opportunity here. Sometimes it is hard to speak about discernment in abstractions. Like, so it's so personal. It's such a personal journey. Uh, so it's it's a journey a journey of the heart to be undertaken with the Lord, but also with the help of a good spiritual director or someone you trust uh, who knows the Lord and, and knows how to listen can can shoot down. Um, I have a spiritual father who says he likes to sit as a like just on the back porch of the of a cabin and just like shoot down all the lies of the enemy for his kids <laughs> and protect them. Like, <laughs> so it's pretty great. That's uh, awesome. I, I did that for someone yesterday, and she goes, I'm just, and I told her that image, and she goes, I'm just picturing you, like, on a cabin in Georgia, like, sitting on the front porch with a mason jar full of sweet tea and a big old shotgun, and just, like, just shooting them down. <laughs> <laughs> Great imagery. <Yeah. laughs> nice. All right, so, Mary Rose, you want to ask the next question we have? Yes. Okay, so the next question is, how do you view God as a father? Mm. Right, so we know that through Revelation, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this Trinity. And for me, uh, knowing Jesus was always very concrete. Like, we have pictures of him, and yeah, he probably didn't look like, like he does in a lot of the pictures and stuff like that. But there's this very concrete, the Word becomes flesh. And so we, it's easy for us to envision that. And actually, even from the time I was a little girl, I just really loved the Holy Spirit a lot and had a great relationship with the Holy Spirit. I loved the wind. And so I always imagined, like, you know, the Holy Spirit's like the breath of God. And so being outside on a windy day just really reminded me of the Holy Spirit a lot. And fire and water like these beautiful images of the spirit and I pray to the Holy Spirit a lot like just come Holy Spirit just a little little bullet prayer but like just a beautiful way to invite him to be part of my every day every moment but the father was always kind of tough for me uh, to be honest I didn't really get God as father Um, could learn about him could look the stuff up in scripture about him Jesus is really the one who shows us the face of the father but my idea of father was very much skewed by just the experiences that we have in, in daily life, right? The experience of, like, maybe a dad who's not as attentive to us as we would like or as we would need. Or, like, you just, like, wish your dad would say this one thing. And you have these memories sometimes of, like, my dad just being the authoritarian figure in my house and stuff like that. So my idea of father was just kind of like, ah, it's not quite there. So I knew that I needed to meet God as father. Um, all of us, right, so if we want to discern our vocation, our mission in life, we have to know who we are. We have to know our identity. And in order to do that, we have to do that through relationship. It's within the, our relationship with the Lord that we learn who we are. And if we flip that up, if we if we mess up, so relationship, our identity, I, mission, M. So we, gotta hit, we have to hit the rim in that order. And if we get that out of order in any way, shape, or form, we're going to find ourselves limping. And it was the summer before I was preparing for my final vows. I had been in the convent for 10 years. And I recognized that I didn't really know who I was. Like, I was pretty confident to some degree, but it wasn't like a deep confidence that coming comes from who you, knowing who you are in the light of God's love. It was like a confidence that came for like, yeah, I got some talents and I can like live on those for a while and it's going to be okay. But I want a deeper confidence that comes from the Lord and that can only happen in relationship. 
around that time, I saw a very brief YouTube video that talked about these identities of the heart, that every woman is created to be a daughter, sister, bride, and mother. Every man is son, brother, husband, and father. And it has to go in that order. It goes in that order on a natural level, and it also goes in that order on a spiritual level. And what do we learn as sons and daughters? We learn that we're good. We learn that we're worthy of love. We learn that we don't have to earn it. Uh, we learn that, you know, there's it's unconditional. And then as sisters and brothers, we learn, okay, I'm not the center of the universe, but I have something to offer other people, and other people have something to offer me. So there's a reciprocity that happens there. There's a giving that happens. We kind of go outside of ourselves. Um, even on a natural level, so I was three and a half when my sister and brother were born. Shout out to my little twin brother and sisters who turned uh, 34 a couple weeks ago, actually. So, yeah, three and a half when they were born. And I learned really quickly when two babies show up at once, I'm not the center of the universe. I was an only child before they showed up. And then all of a sudden there's three of us. And so uh, sharing my parents' attention and affection, sharing my toys, like on a very natural level. Uh, and I'm, so I'm pretty good at being a sister, but not as good as I could be because I didn't really know myself very well as a daughter. <laughs> both on a spiritual level and the, and the natural level. So then I was like, okay, bride. I have bride of Jesus. What does it mean to be the bride of Jesus? Like to be a bride, to be chosen, to be exclusive. It just kind of made me a little bit uncomfortable, to be honest. And I was like, nah, no, we're going to skip over that. We're just going to be mother. I'm a really good spiritual mother. I was teaching high school at the time. Tons of kids. They were mine. I loved them. I walked with them through the good times and bad promposals and rejections. The whole nine. Like, <laughs> I was part of a couple of really awesome promposals. Shout out to Drew McKee and um, Maureen Graham. That was That's awesome. Nice. Oh, anyway. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they um, just, like, loved walking with them through the messiness of high school and the drama and... Um, and actually, it's kind of cool even now to be a spiritual mother to so, so many of them who are grown up and starting to do different things. I have two guys who are in the seminary. I have two young ladies who are in convents. I have one of my students who's a, a missionary with St. Paul's Outreach. I saw him at the March for Life. He's like six six feet tall, about 250 pounds, and he came over to me. I was standing next to Bishop Abraki, gave me this big hug and, like, picked me up off the ground. And the bishop's like, I take it you know him? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I know him. Um, so, yeah, spiritual mother came really naturally to me. But the idea of being a daughter and a bride were hard because they're the receptive identities. Those are the re identities where we need to learn how to receive. And I think that's probably one of the biggest stumbling blocks to us knowing ourselves is that we'd rather clamor and work for an identity mm -hmm. than receive the identity that the Lord wants to give us. Mm. That's that we're his. It's a lot easier in some ways. So it's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to perform. I call that performing orphan syndrome. I'm going to perform so that I can be chosen. Mm. Daughters do that sometimes. Brides do that sometimes. I'm going to perform, put myself out there so that I can be chosen rather than just trusting that I am chosen mm -hmm. to do anything to earn that. I'm just good. Wow, yeah. So for me, coming to know the Father was learning to receive. And so my prayer that summer, I realized, okay, I've got, like, I want to be the best spiritual mother I can be. I want to be the best sister I can be, not just limping along. So, Lord, you're going to have to teach me who I am as a daughter and teach me who I am as a bride. And so my prayer began early in the summer. Jesus, show me the Father. Jesus, show me the Father. Jesus, show me the Father. Come on, Jesus, show me the Father. <laughs> All right, I ain't no, Jesus, show me the Father. And it took him uh, from June 6th when I began this prayer until July 25th. You know, like when something like this happens, like you just remember the day. Mm -hmm. So July 25th on that mass in the morning, and I had this memory of myself when I was a little girl, and it, would, it was a memory that I had prayed with before, and Jesus showed me where he was in it. And so that memory kind of came back, and Jesus was in it, and I was like, okay, I'm trying to concentrate on that mass, so I kind of put it aside. Uh, Father Scott Trainer is a great teacher of, of, of prayer and spirituality, and he says that if you get a distraction in prayer, a lot of people are like, I get so distracted in prayer. It's fine. Take the distraction and gently put it aside. The distraction comes back a second time, take the distraction and gently put it aside. 
If the distraction comes back a third time, go with it. Because it actually might be the Holy Spirit inviting you to pray with it. <laughs> right? So this is, what ha- this is what's happening at Mass. I'm like, no, 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 I don't have time to pray for that. Right? pray about that right now. I'm at Mass. The consecration's about to happen. Jesus is going to show up here in a second. I want to be present to that. And so put it aside. Put it aside. It came back again. And at the very moment where the priest elevated the host and the bread becomes the body of, of Jesus, right? I saw myself in this memory as a little girl running into the arms of Jesus and he picked me up and he turned and he handed me to the Father. And the Father just held me and started dancing with me and was tossing me up into the air and we were just laughing and it was just a joyful and free moment. And I experienced in my heart a freedom and a peace and a joy that I had never experienced in my heart ever before. It was just like, I am His and I am good and I am loved and I don't have to do anything to earn that. It's just good. And so as I continued to process and give thanks for that experience of God's love for me, uh, I saw, like, I, kind of, I was wondering, like, why did it happen then? After begging Jesus for so many months, why did it happen then? Well, first of all, I also had asked the intercession of Pope John Paul II because he was a father to me, and he was someone who reflected the face of the Father so beautifully, I think, so, to many people. And the other thing is that it happened in the context of the Mass, at that moment of the Mass, because it's in that moment of the Mass where Jesus is offering everything to the Father. He's giving himself completely to the Father. And so he took me, and he made me a part of that offering. (laughs) So just to give you a sense for what kind of a difference this made in my life, like knowing that kind of love so deeply. Uh, A couple weeks later, I made my final vows, and I went back to the school where I was teaching, and I walked in the door on the first day back, and the football coach looked at me, and he goes, you're different, and I want to know why. (laughs) <laughs> and I was different because I knew the love of the Father. And I was, oper- I was operating and living out of a deep confidence. Not a confidence based on my own gifts. Not a confidence based on my own abilities. But a confidence based in this unconditional love that I was receiving. Because I was putting myself in God's presence in a way that I had never put myself in his presence before. And I was receiving his love in a way that I had never received it before. Hmm. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> Beautiful. So cool. So we actually have a follow-up question to that, and it's, how do we let God father us? Hmm. Um, you just do. <laughs> Such a lame answer. It's like, how did you know he was the one? I just knew. Like, no, for real. Like, there's a, a you just, um, again, relational prayer. This is not just like, okay, God's this big, like, spaghetti monster in the sky. Like, he is a father. He reveals himself as a father. And he's not just any father. He's a good father. He's the most perfect father. Like, all of our dads pale in comparison. So whether you have a dad that you would consider to be a good dad or a bad dad, like, yeah, you're right. None none of our dads are like God the Father. And so he loves us in a way that's unconditional, um, that is not, yeah, it's just good. So how do we let him do it? We put ourselves in that position of receptivity. We become like a little child. Maybe that for you means picturing yourself as a little kid again. Uh, Maybe that means asking him to show you why you don't trust him the way that you would. Um, Maybe maybe there are things in your past or in your your heart that you've experienced from your own dad or or just your experiences in life that have made you shut down. Like usually the reasons that we shut, we don't receive love are because we've shut something off because of something that's happened to us. Mm. So asking for the grace of the Holy Spirit, the light of the Holy Spirit, to see those things and to kind of like open those things up again. One of my favorite gospel passages is where uh, Jesus goes up to the man and he says, Ephatha, be open. And just to let Jesus say that to us, to open up all those spaces so that the love of the Father can flow through those places. Another thing, too, is just trusting in God's providence and giving him the opportunity to give us good things. And recognizing that when we do receive good things, that it's from the hand of our Father. 
Um, so we were at Seek all together. Kind of a cool, just like random fun thing. We The hotel that uh, the sister that I was with, Sister Caritas, and I stayed in was an old train station. Mm-hmm. And some of the hotel rooms were actually train cars. She, yeah, really cool. That's so cool. she had looked this up beforehand, and she's like, wouldn't that be so cool if we got one of the, like the hotel train car rooms? And I was like, sister, I mean, that'd be really cool, but they're probably a lot more expensive. And we just got like the base, base room, you know, like <laughs> we're at this conference. And... Um, and she goes, okay, well, like, God can do what he wants. And we checked in at that hotel, and we got one of the train car rooms. And oh, the, oh. <laughs> so yeah, just, just, like, a little way that yeah. the father wanted to love us and wanted to, like, delight his little girls with this little gift oh. of, like, staying in a train car. <laughs> That's so sweet. So just, yeah, trusting that the father wants to give us good things and that he wants to surprise us with his love. Like, one of my prayers at the end of the day oftentimes is, like, Father, remind me how you surprised me with your love today. Or in the morning. Ooh, that's like, a good one. Father, surprise me with your love. He's a God of surprise. Pope Francis says that all the time, that God is a God of surprises. And think about a dad who goes on a trip, right? He comes home and the daughter's like, you know, what'd you bring me, daddy? Like, <laughs> surprises. Dads, dads like to give good gifts. And yeah. so trusting in the good gifts that the Father wants to give us. That's great. It is. And beginning to see everything as gift. Mm-hmm. You know, that everything is gift. Even the things that we wouldn't necessarily. A couple years ago, the Lord took me through a really intense time of healing in my life. Uh, looking at some really hard things that I never wanted to speak about out loud, but it was um, it's probably one of the hardest times in my life, but also one of the most beautiful times in my life, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Or I can look back on some of my hardest days as a sister over the past 14 years, like whether it be in the apostolates and the work that I did, or whether it be in the community living situation, like there are some really hard times, and I look back and I say, Father, thank you for even that. Not not despite that, but because of that. Like, thank you for those things in those places. Because it's in those things in those places that I probably could see and experience your love even more tangibly. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And Father Rob, since you're listening, I mean, we've got to talk about St. Therese a little bit, I guess. Uh, St. Therese, of course, is the great saint of spiritual childhood. Teaches mm-hmm. us how to, how to turn to the Father as a little child and just to, to be a child in his arms. Yeah. To rest. That we, like, we can trust God so much that we can rest with him. Yeah, that's good. It's a beautiful psalm. Rest in God alone, my soul. Yeah. I think it's Psalm sixty-two, but don't quote me. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for all of this. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. I'm gonna like, go back to listen to this a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's um. It's so. It's so easy that it's hard, actually. It's one of those things, like, it's so easy, but yet it's so hard. But it's not God that makes it hard. It's us. Like, every yeah. single time. Mm-hmm. Every single time that I'm like, oh, it's so complicated. I'm like, oh, it's because I'm complicated. Yeah. It's not because God is complicated. It's because I'm complicating this mess. But I just need to let go and to surrender. And surrender is really the word. Like, Father, I give myself to you. Like, what does Jesus do on the cross? Like, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. There's this beautiful image of Jesus dying on the cross and he's smiling. Like, it's just kind of a slight smile. Uh, it's called, like, the smiling Christ or something like that. But, like, why? Jesus is dying on the cross for crying out loud. Like, but he's smiling because he's with the Father. He knows he's with the Father. And so just even that moment, like, whenever I'm scared, one of the things I just say, I just find myself saying, it's like, but Father, you're with me. Like, I'm scared to do this. I'm scared to go to this place. I'm scared to say this thing. But, Father, you're with me. And I trust you. Wow. That's so crazy that you said that because I when I was in the chapel um the Wednesday when I was praying after small group I had like never really thought of like Jesus on the cross being like peaceful really like I've always like looked at it as like kind of sad or like sometimes like I don't like looking at the cross in all honesty like it kind of makes me uncomfortable 
Um, but I was looking at it and I had this moment of like, he looks so peaceful. And like, I'd never thought of that before. And it was just something really cool that really kind of changed things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite paintings is by Diego Velasquez. It's a painting of Christ crucified. And it's actually, it's the altarpiece at the old cathedral in St. Louis. And it's also the altarpiece at the cathedral in Peoria. But it's a plain black background with just Jesus. No Mary and John, just Jesus, plain black background. And I have a huge poster of it. And actually, when I made my final vows, that was the gift that I asked for from my parents, this poster. And then the people who came signed the back. It's like mm-hmm. a guest book. Like, you know, when, you're, when you think about poverty, you don't want a guest book to haul around with you when you travel. But, like, a beautiful poster. And the, a lot of my sisters would go, oh, that's so great. That would look really nice in your classroom. And I was like, it's not going in my classroom. It's going in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Like, I want that perpetual reminder of just... Jesus' solitude on the cross. And this is, I would always ask my students, does this look like a man that's lonely or that he's in solitude? And the difference between loneliness and solitude, solitude is actually the original experience of man in the garden. And solitude, Adam recognized that there was no one else like him, but yet he was not alone because he was with the Father. And so someone who is experiencing solitude says, but I'm with the Father and the Father is with me. And so loneliness is a real thing. I think college students can really relate to that college students and, and me like I'm an adult woman and I can walk into a room of a Sikh conference of 17,000 people and there's still sometimes be a feeling of loneliness there right so how do we turn our solitude into loneliness is by simply turning to the father and saying but you're with me I'm not alone I'm not alone because the father is with me hmm. this is what Jesus can know experientially as he's dying on the cross wow so good I never even thought of like a yeah. difference between solitude and loneliness yeah it's a it's a game changer. JP two theology of the body. Shout out. Mm. <laughs> so good, so good. All right. Well, do we have any other questions, ladies, that we can think of? I think so. Mm-hmm. No. Well, sister, is there anything you want to talk about? Anything that's on your heart, on your mind? Yeah, I just, um, I guess this whole idea of like coming to know the Father and like just this is what empowers us to say yes to God's will. Because when we know the Father, this is how you make bold moves. You make bold moves <laughs> in the Father's love, not outside of the Father's love. Outside of the Father's love, you might make what appears to be bold moves, but our boldest moves come when we are acting in and through the Holy Spirit and the love of the Father with Jesus. Mm. So, um, yeah, don't be afraid. Do not. There's nothing to fear when we live from that space. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Do you have, this actually just came to me, but do you have any, like, tips on for surrendering? You're trying to surrender. Sometimes I literally visualize whatever is it, whatever it is I'm trying to surrender, and I mm-hmm. literally visualize myself putting it down in front of me and sliding across the table to Jesus. Like, wow. here you oh, go. Um, that's good. I pray with my hands open quite a bit too. Like that. That's you know where our hands go, where our hearts go, our hands follow, and similarly where our hands go, our hearts follow. And so, okay, if I need to surrender something, like simply to open up my hands and say. Okay, you take this. Remember, even the first time I visited the convent, I knew I was supposed to enter. And I went to Mother and said, you know, I'd love to come. You all teach. I have a degree in theology and religious education, so it would work real well. And she said, you have to come even if it means you never teach again. Because it's not what you do, it's who you are. You know, a vocation to religious life is not a job. Uh, Vocation to religious life is a state of being. And then whatever we do flows from that. And so I walked away like the rich young man in the gospel we had a couple weeks ago. The rich young man who looks at Jesus and says... What do I have to do to get to heaven? And Jesus tells him, follow the commandments. And he's like, uh, I'm already doing that. Great. And he says, well, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have, give your money to the poor, and then come follow me. And the gospel tells us the next line is that he walked away sad because he had many possessions. And when I drove away from Alton, Illinois, on September 5th, 2004, 
I drove away sad because I was not willing to give up my love for teaching. And I was scared to death that she was going to send me back to school to be a nurse. No offense. But <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm bad at chemistry and don't do blood, so I just don't think I'm going to work out really, you know? Yeah, yeah chemistry is a struggle right now for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah we hashtag that. the struggle is real. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I remember driving away. I was like, fine, Jesus. Like, I thought I knew what you wanted. But if it's, I mean, if this is what you want, like, you're going to have to change my heart. And you're going to have to take away my love for teaching. My love mm-hmm. for handing out the faith. And so literally, I would just be like, okay, here it is. Like, I don't think I can give it to you. But I'm going to open up my hands, and if you want to take it, you can. And so sometimes we have to start there. Sometimes surrender is not like, okay, Jesus, I surrender this to you. It's, I want to surrender this to you. Or I want to want to surrender this to you. Or I want to want to want to surrender this to you. And, like, go, go back as far as you have to and gradually just open up your hands and let, like, grace move in your heart. That if, as we surrender all things to him, he gives us everything. That's the line in the gospel, right? The father, the father says to the son and the prodigal son, son, you are with me always. Everything that I have is yours. Mm-hmm. We don't have to cling to anything. We can, we can trust to surrender everything because all that the father has is ours. Mm-hmm. And if we're too busy clinging to our stuff, whether it's our own plans or our own will or our own desires, if we're too busy clinging to that, we can't receive the greater things. Because our hands are full. <laughs> yeah. So we have to put those things down so we can receive what he wants to give us. That's really good. That's really good. All right. Well, do we want to move to the song of the week? Mm-hmm. All right. So Sister Suggested, No Longer Slave by Bethel. Yeah, this song is a great song. Um, the, the refrain is just, like, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Because the more we know our childhood, our divine childhood, that we are chosen, that we are called, the more we can look to the Father and say, yep, I got nothing to fear because you've got me. And I'm not a slave to this. Like, there's nothing that can hold me down because you've set me free. And so in the light of your love, I am free and I can sing and I can dance and just be with you. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Here we go. All right, here we go. All right. right. Hope you enjoyed this song. I Great. I pray with that song for a really long time. Mm. It's like an empowerment song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to go listen to it tonight. (laughs) Change the world now. Let's do this. Let's be saints. That's right. That's awesome. Okay, so, Sister Carolyn, I'm going to have you kind of, like, explain the challenge because you were pretty good at saying it earlier. Yeah, as I said, um, to to know ourselves as beloved sons and daughters is the first challenge to um, saying yes to God's will. And it's the first challenge to coming to know the Father, to know ourselves as sons and daughters. And so the challenge of the week is to look for the ways that God is loving you. What are the ways that he's pouring out his love and just laboring to love us at every moment of the day? So maybe that means that right before you go to bed, you just kind of look at where did, like, where did I experience God's providence for me? Where did I know that he was with me? Where did I know that he was holding me? Where did I, did I know that he was just like literally laying out every moment of my day? Um, so just paying attention to those things. Awareness is so key to us um, coming to receive so we have to be aware in order to receive mm-hmm. and then once we receive we can live from that freedom and live from that joy so to that end uh, kind of the bible verse for the week is Philippians 3.12 and we will hear that in the second reading this coming Sunday and it says this it is not that I have already been taken ho- already taken hold of it or have already attained perfect maturity but I continue my pursuit and hope that I may possess it since I have indeed been taken possession of by Christ Jesus. So um, it's kind of this paradox that actually to grow in maturity is to become more like a child. Um, and so <laughs> becoming more like a child and living in this spiritual childhood is to know that this is, uh, this is a continuous pursuit. 
Like there are days where I definitely do not live this well. I don't live it perfectly, but this is where our exam, our daily exam of like, okay, like, yep, today I was not like a trusting little girl. I was like an angry woman who was just going to get my way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then to go to the father and say, but father, I've sinned against you, but I, I choose your love and I ask your forgiveness. So yeah, Philippians 3.12 Bible verse for the week. Awesome. Thank you. Well, so that about wraps it up before our prayer, but do we have any final words, ladies? Anything we want to say? Just a big thank you to Sister Carolyn for coming with us. Yeah, Absolutely loved yeah. it. I've just been left speechless by all of our comments and just, <laughs> whoa. Like Maggie was saying, I think I might have to go back and listen to this a few more times to yeah. fully absorb and it. And take notes. I mean, yes, yeah. definitely take I'm notes. I'm probably going to need to go back and listen to it too because sometimes when I'm in a situation like this, the spirit's just moving and I don't yeah. know what the heck I just said, but I'm like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was, I need to hang on to that one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, That's yeah, awesome. no, thanks for the invitation. It's so good to be with you. And yes. uh, so good to walk with you on this journey, like as sisters in Christ, and just to open ourselves up to the, to the Lord's love for us and, and to experience his love in community, too. It's such a beautiful gift. So yeah. Thank you for that. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Well, um, so I think we are good for the prayer, right, ladies? Yes. All right, awesome. here we go. Well, take it away, sister. Sure. So let's just place ourselves in God's presence and trust in his love as he looks at us with love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, you are good, and we are yours. And so this is enough. We open our hearts to receive your love. Show us who we are in the light of that love. Teach us to sing and dance with reckless abandon as little children. Teach us that we don't have to do anything to earn your love. Teach us to trust that your love is always enough. Teach us to be open to receive and give us the gift of your spirit to continually move in our hearts to make a space to receive that love that you want to pour out. Jesus, we give you permission to love us. We give you permission and we ask you to show us the Father. Give us the gift of your spirit. Father, we surrender all things into your hands. Take care of everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That was beautiful. Beautiful. Well, as always, thanks for listening. And it's been real from Maggie. Mary Rose, Sister Carolyn, and Mackenzie. And always remember to be authentic, be faithful, and and be be bold. bold.